Hello, my name is Everton Blackwood, and this is Disciplinary Literacy in the 21st Century. We are again joined by Parrish Howell, and today we'll be talking about multimodal literacy. So to begin, we're just going to go dive right in with the first question is, how has new literacy such as media literacy, multimodal literacy, digital literacy, pop culture influence definition of literacy? That's a lot to unravel. You want me to go first? I mean... I'll go first nah, this time. It, so, when I think of uh, these different types of literacy, the first thing that comes to my mind when I hear multimodal is just the fact of being able to see it through two different uh, means and ways of senses. So, an example that I brought up during our conversation before we actually began was the fact of a comic being a multimodal literacy because of the fact that you have a visual while you also have like text. So mm-hmm. that way it's easier to determine the actual purpose of the comic. Yeah. All right. Um, <clears throat> I think this one stems way back compared to what we can do now. Because uh, thinking of multimodal, I think of like being back in elementary school and uh, the teachers had the overhead boards. Yeah. So, you know, they had the laminate papers they got to put in the overhead board. Yeah. And, you know, they try and teach and stuff on those. And then the math teachers had the clear ones mm-hmm. and they could write on and they erase or go to the next one. That's what comes to mind initially. And then there's like, we move forward towards more and more smart boards and their capabilities. And we have like PowerPoints and teachers start using the PowerPoints to go as an aid to what they're trying to get the students to comprehend. And then the the very next one is just, like, actually having a song for the literacy of, you know, students and the comprehension of students. And you, like, there's the ABCs, prime example. You learn the alphabet. You could just say A, B, C. But no, people want to sing it. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? I mean, yeah. that, that's how you comprehend it, right? Yeah. If somebody tell you or ask you, what's the ABCs? You can just say it, or you can have fun, you can sing it. A lot of people like to have fun, and multimodal is the easiest way to have fun while comprehending things. I mean, even in that sense, you know how I listen to music. I listen for a beat first, and then eventually I'll get around to actually listening to the words. Right. So as I actually listen to the song, I'll look at the words and be like, okay, this actually fits, and yeah. it has meaning to it. Or I'll just be like, oh, this doesn't fit. This like, what, chief. <laughs> what, what is this? This isn't a good song anymore. Right. I'll just find the instrumental for it and just listen to the beat. Right. Uh, I mean, it, it can go on and on with that one. Like, you know how the uh, the new found TikTok app, and a lot of comedians would go on there, and instead of just doing stand-up comedy, they would have their voiceover. It was just like a stick figure moving. It's either it's like its lips or its arms, its legs, and it's just giving you the imagery of what they're saying, even though you can still create your own imagery to it. You know, so that's another one. Yeah. So let's go more into a sense of media literacy versus digital uh, literacy, that being more like printed text versus uh, <laughs> online. You can even do the comparison of how they do the newspaper then versus now. And even still today, you'll see a decrease in people who actually pick up a newspaper versus right. someone who will look up the actual newspaper online if they have a subscription. So newspaper stuff like that magazines are another one um they're they're definitely the uh traditional and modern way to do it but what's becoming more modern and more apparent is definitely just 
going on your phone and typing in www whatever I want to look at dot com, mm-hmm. it's a whole lot easier. It's faster. It's more prevalent as far as information because, say, you read the newspaper that let's use coronavirus for example and that the vaccine is going to drop tomorrow people are going to be able to use the vaccine tomorrow now instead of you having to find somebody and ask them if it's true and not know if they know if it's true or not if you read that on a newspaper now you're just lost on if this is true or not just because it's in the newspaper but say you read it online or on the newspaper website or however you find your you know information now you can just go right back to that same search bar and figure out if it's true and everything comes right back with yes or no answers. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just, you know, it is a whole lot easier and a whole lot faster to use more technology now. I mean, even in that sense as well, you have the whole idea of you do have this news story, like, say, the coronavirus vaccine is coming out and you don't know 100% sure. In media, you, well, in traditional media, you would have to wait and literally see maybe if they put something out for the next day. But if you use the online feature, they usually have like live updates. Like right. they'll correct themselves right. if they made a mistake or not. Right. And I mean, that that would be like, um, I mean, Lord, let their souls rest in peace with the uh, Kobe Bryant situation. Imagine, I know, I know, it, it's a tough one. But imagine something like that happening, you know, two decades ago. It would be in newspapers, but people wouldn't know till the next day, really, unless you're over there in that area or you have one of the nicer TVs that actually has channels on it, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, instead of having this literally happened 23 minutes ago that we just found out Kobe Bryant, this, that, and the third, you know, and people have all their different rants on it. Now they have to wait a whole day. They read the newspaper. Oh, Lord, Kobe Bryant's gone. He's gone. Right? Yeah. So you could take both of those same aspects and you can go with the newspaper not having 100% of the facts and them saying, oh, it was Kobe Bryant's entire family that was on the helicopter. And now they just printed that all across America versus the internet saying it was Kobe Bryant and his whole family. Now with the internet, if they're wrong, they can go back and fix that in a matter of maybe five minutes. If the newspaper wrong, they can't fix it till the next day when they write a whole new article. So, that that's a very heavy thing right there. That, that's just how I feel about it. Brought a tear to my eye to talk about Kobe. I mean, yeah, you know, that's a very soft spot for me, you know. Big inspiration for me. But even with that sense of uh, the situation with Kobe Bryant, that brings up the use of social media because the news of Kobe Bryant passing was all throughout social media and people making their speculations like, oh, well, it was reported that like the whole family died versus, oh, now they're saying like, oh, Rick Fox was also included yeah. and stuff like that. So in the sense of social media today, that's another sense of literacy because of the fact like, this is something that we, as people who actually use social media, we have to be able to decipher like in between exactly what is true and what's not true. But I, I think with that, goes back to the original point with being faster and easier. Everybody wants to be the fastest and everybody wants to have it the easiest. So they figure if they just type in Kobe helicopter crash, the very first thing is supposed to be the right thing because it's the fastest and the easiest to get to. When in actuality, 
they they need to still have more of the traditional benefits from it as far as looking through everything that was there, find everything that's still the same and a common thread in all of them and taking those as the facts versus the first thread says, oh, his whole, his whole family was on the helicopter. The second thread says Rick Fox is on the helicopter. Third thread says it wasn't Kobe on the helicopter at all. It was just his private helicopter. You know, you, you got to find the facts through all of them instead of just the first one. And I think that's what traditional articles like magazines and newspapers are still good for because they take their time in producing what they put out instead of just wanting to be the fresh hot take that's out there. So how do you feel that pop culture influences uh, literacy? Because, I mean, to me, there's been words used in like pop culture, like the word stand. I did not know what a stand was for the longest time. <laughs> I, I was like, why why are y'all saying like y'all stand this person? Like what the heck does stand mean just to find out like this is a fan of something? Like why can't you just... Go, I wonder why <laughs> I is that where the actual definition came from? It came from that song. I did not know that, see? Because, well... <laughs> That that is a prime example right there. The word stand stems from the song that Eminem that me being an Eminem fan, of course I have this. But it comes from <laughs> the song that Eminem produced named Stand. Now, I'm not gonna lie and say I looked completely into this to see if it was a true story or not. But throughout his song, the writer Stan wrote many different letters to Eminem and Eminem didn't respond to any of them except the last one, where he wrote that he was going to crash and jump off the bridge so it's literally being a die hard fan mm-hmm. uh you have any more uh words because you know <laughs> me i'm not into um, social media that big i can't think of specific words that come to mind right now but i can say that learning the states with their capitals i wouldn't have been able to do that if it wasn't for animaniacs they had, excuse me. They had an episode where they did like a play on Jeopardy, and uh, the the answer was states in their capitals, and he pulled out this violin, and he he just went clean through all fifty states, right? But the kicker of it, with the show being a show, at the end of it, he got it wrong, because he didn't say what is at the front. Mm. I thought that was hilarious. Anyways, <laughs> um. I mean, that that's a literacy thing right there. I thought the song was catchy. It had valuable information to it. I learned the song. I know the states and their capitals. And I remember it wasn't too long from me uh, learning that song where I was in church. I think it was a Bible study or a youth trip or something. And the conversation was going on. And it was like, what's the capital of Kansas? Somebody said Kansas City. And me being under my voice, being the youngest guy in the group, I was like, Topeka. My mentor turned around, he's like, how do you know that? I was like, it's a song. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, the media can have its benefits in certain ways. It can, you know, teach you different actual information and teach you words like stand. Or it could even, like, I, I don't know how to, like, the, the actual description word for what it can, like, uh, like, with Lil Wayne being able to rhyme the word lasagna, how many words can you think of off top that rhymes with lasagna? 
I mean, I don't know, but you know me, I'm not the biggest fan of Lil Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying, it, it, there's songs out there. Or like, um, what, what did Jay-Z say in that one song about credit? <laughs> uh, you know, you want to know what's better than uh something. Yeah, he, he was uh, like, wait. he said something and then it just dropped credit. credit. And yeah. people was just like, you know That what? was one of the more memorable lines exactly. that they actually had because of the fact like, you value money, but then in the sense that you actually know that credit is is seen as being more valuable, especially to a man worth uh, millions of millions, dollars. almost a billion dollars himself. <laughs> exactly, and I mean the media is just growing and it's going to continue to grow until somehow, some way, the internet shut down. So. So, yeah, that touches, we touched a little bit on to the second subject being that how have these new uh, understandings of literacy practices affected literacy in schools? We talked about it a little bit. You know, you with the whole Annie Miniat song, yeah. running your capitals. Uh, one quote that I would like to bring up from an article that I read was, uh, although technology alone will not suffice to Democratize and adequately reconstruct education in a technological society. Providing proper access and training can improve education if it is take, taken as a supplement. So when I think it's that, it's like we use technology a little bit more today, but we don't want to be, become a society like Wally where we depend, depend solely on, on technology. Okay. So I believe that's why magazines and newspapers and things like that are still able to survive right now more than just you know i want my newspaper you know the the older and elderly people wanting these traditional things i believe it's because society what doesn't want to become fully dependent it's just like with me being a human performance major and soon to be graduate thank you <laughs> um uh, when you talk about steroids steroids is one of the uh biggest hormones where if you use it as a supplement it your body becomes more adaptive and addictive to using the supplement instead of creating it on its own. Whereas with things like creatine, you can use it as a supplement, but your body's not going to stop or start depending on that supplement as a creatine. So I believe that even though it is increasing, sooner or later something's ha- something has to go. You know. I mean, I completely understand that in the sense of. Uh, everything that you just mentioned. Uh, so another quote by Kellen and Cher, I forgot to mention it before, was the fact that young children learn to uh, read visual images, watch and listen to stories and interpret sounds that they can start applying critical media literacy skills to question the purpose audience and construction of all information and entertainment. So in this sense, you see that Kellen and Cher, they're talking about some of the benefits of using uh these new uh, different media type uh, literacies because of the fact that they do have some type of purpose, as we discussed before, with the whole situation with Kobe Bryant being that we have to figure out what's the purpose of whoever tweeted it. Uh-huh. Uh, what's the actual, is it actually true for one thing? Because right. you got to be able to uh, decipher from someone who just wants to post something for likes versus someone who's actually giving you like genuine information trying to update the people and i believe um this is kind of on topic kind of like a side topic to it but i believe that's why a lot of things on vine which was the older version of tiktok basically older shorter version vine and tiktok were able to 
take off the way they did because it allowed younger students and younger people to actually have their own platform to showcase things and then these other students be like hey that's a good idea maybe i should do that you know so that's still increasing the knowledge it might not actually be academically but it does share common knowledge that everybody should have as common knowledge so i think that was kind of cool too so something that i got off of uh what is it key to success dot com was the fact that they mentioned that uh through uh media literacy we also see a sense that uh students take tend to see uh a more responsibility for creating uh responsible content whenever they do decide to go do media so they're not just trying to go spew false information they want to be credible sources of when they decide to go give out information because you know we can't be spreading for fake news. <laughs> yeah, you can't, fake, you, you can't do fake news. I'm about to say, so you like, see what happened with uh, Twitter and the whole situation with Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this one, it's not really a, a tough situation, but, I mean, nobody wants to be wrong. And right. nobody wants to be seen as a liar. So, if we're sitting here and we're, like, as we carry on the Kobe Bryant situation, as we're trying to connect the facts... And we see that others have information out there that you feel as though is wrong, and then we go do our own research. There, there's a purpose there with that, because you're like, well, you you may or may not add this part, but you're like, well, I don't know if this is true. I don't know if what they said is what you want to believe, but this is what I found, and then they just drop all of what they found. But to that aspect, they're they're putting their own credibility to it. Mm-hmm. And put the old credibility on the line by actually posting stuff like that because it could be seen by literally anybody nowadays. So, uh, so do you see any downside with the use of more digital uh, literacy versus traditional media? Um, I want to say yes. Uh, more so with me being a teacher because, uh. How can I explain it? Me personally, I don't use flash drives anymore mm-hmm. because I tend to lose them a lot. And that is more money out of my pockets than it is to start a new email. So what I've started doing is after I save everything that I need to on either one of my laptops or my desktop, I'd send it to an email and I'd have it all in the email. Now say for whatever reason we don't have access to this email, whether the app is down or the website for the email is down, or somehow the internet crashes, you know? Had to happen before. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, ha- I have no other backup source, you know? So it's just like submitting a paper, or excuse me, not a paper, but like a PowerPoint or a Pixel or something multimedia for a project, mm-hmm. and you're supposed to present this project. Now, if you, you're supposed to pre- present it and there's no internet for you to present or to find it to present, what, what is your plan B, you know? And that that's just how I see how media is supposed to separate as the media now being the plan B versus it being the old or media I'm sorry, media now being the plan A versus it being the old plan B and now the traditional newspapers and magazines is the regular plan B versus it being get your newspapers here, newspapers you know, you had your paper boy the bike yeah. just toss them on the front step. They don't want to do that anymore. You gotta pay for it now, you know? I mean, I completely understand. I even went back as far as, you know me, 
whenever I wrote a paper for the longest time, I didn't write the actual write it on a computer until I had written uh, it that is written it by hand. And even then, it was just more of a fact of like, okay, this is hurting my hands more now, yeah. and plus my deadlines like uh, less time than I would normally need to actually do this type of uh, adjustment. So I had to go be able to adapt. So I now I can write better on a laptop, even though I still got to do like seventy two different tabs just to <laughs> do like four pages. Yeah, you definitely write about that. But I mean, the 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 thing about society with that is that. There, there's still money hungry. So, the situation that I've had to deal with coming back here after uh, being sent home for Thanksgiving mm-hmm. is that I don't have Microsoft anymore. So, I sp- specifically and strictly use Outlook for PowerPoints and using Word, making documents, stuff like that. Because neither one of my laptops, I am, I'm not gonna pay for Microsoft if I can use Outlook for free. And the only reason I have Outlook for free is because I have a school email. Right. The only reason I have school email is because I'm going to that school. So, you know, it continues to go further and further back, of course, to a string of money. But I'm not going to pay more money for something else when I'm already getting this and I'm already through that string paying for it. So that could be a downside as well. Making people more pay more for things that they would believe would be more than just a desire. You know, oh, we got the newest phone coming out. Yeah. Got to pay $1,000 for it. No, you don't. You don't need that right now. (laughs) Uh, So one last question is, how will you try to use both traditional media and multi, uh, well, what is it? What's it called? Digital media more, well, digital media inside your own classroom. So how do you do this? plan on using both or if you decide to use both i'm definitely going to decide to use both if there's a, a textbook that goes along with the classes that i have and i'll definitely keep the textbooks just in case but uh powerpoints are always strong uh people use quizlet now that, that's a good thing if i if there's a way that i can you know incorporate students making a tiktok i'll probably do that a lot of students make like making tiktoks or even as far as like making a self book on human performance going A to Z on certain things that have to do with human performance you know that's something simple too or even like having now this one would be pretty far fetched but it, having the students come up with the rap or if I came up with the rap that had something to do with health and PE I would probably carry that through every class that I can so I mean I'm definitely incorporating both it's just a matter of what the students like and what they don't like uh, I mean, even for myself, you know, I'm more traditional because, uh, for one thing, I just view history as more stuff that you read from primary sources and such. But even still today, like when you go get primary sources, uh, we see more of a tendency of literally going online to go get the actual source mm-hmm. primary sources because they actually have been digitalized. But there's still documents that, you know, you won't be able to actually get digitally. Right. Because of how fragile they are. Like, uh, what was I reading? I think I was reading uh, something written about uh, the Roman Empire and pages of it wasn't able to actually be transcribed because of the fact that, one, it was too bad, badly damaged, and two, it wasn't uh, 
able to actually be <laughs> digitized because of how fragile it was. You could uh, tag along with that, just like uh, the actual like physical copy of the Constitution. You know, you got all these older art- quote-unquote artifacts, but, I mean, we all can read the preamble on the internet, but how many physical original copies are we going to see of the preamble? You know, I mean, if you got an original copy of the preamble, you, you you got it in the case because it's worth some money. Exactly, and I mean, it's either that's something near and dear to your heart, and you've probably had in your family for years, or that is legit it, and you try to see how much money you can get from it, stuff like that. But it, you can recreate the preamble. Now, what if the original preamble changes? Now they gotta are they are they discarding the original artifact or? You know, are they gonna add to the original artifact with more bird feather pins? <laughs> that is actually a question I've had about the Constitution. Like, we started off originally with ten, and then they added three, and then they added. Actually, they just kept on adding. Yeah, We're up to twenty-seven kept, now. Added we like one we added time for three years straight, didn't they? I wouldn't say all that, but there's, <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely been additions and. Uh, multiple orders, so like you know, we got three right after the Civil War. I always wonder, like, did they go back to the original document and, and just tag scribble it on, scribble it on? Because you know that type of paper, it ain't just easy to find right. for one thing. <laughs> and you gotta find someone you know with similar handwriting and such, or do they just take a normal like document piece of paper and just kind of put it behind the original <laughs> document? Uh, or is this the reason why they tell us to read between the lines? <laughs> This this is where the fine print started, huh? <laughs> I mean, yeah, even that that actually does become a question, like reading in between the lines, because you know, nowadays we see that when they originally wrote the Constitution, it was not meant for everybody to be free, exactly. even though they meant it in that sense as literally saying all men are created equal, but didn't define who men were. Right. Uh, you don't see them going back to the original document to change it. We see more of a. Okay, we changed it in the sense that we added this new we document this to it instead of rechanging what we already have. Yeah, like, well, yeah, I said all men, but I didn't mean you guys. I didn't mean all men. I meant I just, like all men, but not all men. But now I understand. So we're gonna say all men, but we're not gonna include women. Oh wait, let's include women, but. That that's literally what the Constitution looks like now. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, that's just something different about media. Uh, we see media added every day to actual teaching, and how that changes the word. Literally, as we discussed the word "stand." Yeah, I still it's still very surprising to me. So now, uh. Even now, I'm when I go into schools, you know, when they say stand, I'm going like, oh, I know that yeah, word now. <laughs> so then it's they like go on. discourse. You just created another discourse. Yeah, another discourse. <laughs> and now, like, when I go talk to my students, they're like, well, now I got to come up with a new word because the teacher knows exactly <laughs> what that word is. But, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's pretty much what media is doing to us today and such. Uh Thank you for joining me again for another podcast. Of course. It's been great talking to you and sharing ideas. Of course.